So we welcome you. This is message number four, our series that we've been titled. What's the series title? What is it? Vital Signs. That's right. Through the book of 1 John, a verse-by-verse study, we're studying the spiritual vital signs that give evidence that we possess eternal life. In other words, that we are Christians. These are the signs. These are the vitals. The key verse for, really, the book of 1 John is 1 John 5.13. It's there on your outlines. Can you see your outline? Let's read this scripture out loud. It's a powerful verse. Can we read it out together, starting with, I write these things. Ready? Here it is. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Would you underline the word know? This book is written so that we would know, have assurance that we possess everlasting life, that we are going to heaven. There is no question more important for you and me to answer, or if you're watching on video, than to know that you're going to heaven, that you belong to Jesus. How can you know this? Well, we're not studying physical vital signs like your breathing, your respiratory system, or your pulse. We're not not studying the physical vital signs that show you have physical life. We're studying the spiritual vital signs that show you possess spiritual life. So far, we've studied three of them in the book of 1 John. Fellowship was the first. All Christians experience fellowship with God and with other Christians. Second, we studied walking in the light. All Christians walk in the light, not in the darkness. And third, Christ-likeness. All Christians resemble Jesus to a degree. Now, this morning we come to the fourth vital sign, and it's all about spiritual growth. Can you repeat that after me? What is it? Spiritual growth, yeah. How do you know you possess spiritual life? Simple. You will be growing spiritually. Spiritual growth is a vital sign. It is an evidence that you possess eternal life. I mean, have you noticed that everything that's alive grows? Everything that's alive grows. Your weeds grow. (laughs) Wish they didn't, but they do. Your grass, your trees, your plants, your pet grows. Your teenager grows. Anything that is alive is growing. Wow. Same with you spiritually. If you are spiritually alive, you will be evidencing spiritual growth. There's no such thing as a Christian who evidences zero spiritual growth. That would just show they're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you'll be growing spiritually. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. How do you know if this guy or gal you're wanting to date is a Christian? By their fruit, by their spiritual growth, so to speak, you'll know they're saved. Normal Christianity is 2 Peter 3.18, where Peter said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christians do what's normal when you're alive. You grow spiritually. Even if you're 90 years old or 92, it doesn't matter your age. If you're spiritually alive, you'll be growing. Look look what 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, though outwardly we are wasting away. How many of you can relate to that? Outwardly, I'm wasting away. Yeah. 
But what does the Bible say? Yet inwardly we are being, re- being renewed day by day. Yeah, outwardly we look in the mirror, oh man. But on the inside, spiritually we're growing. We're being renewed day by day. Wow. Now, if spiritual growth is the fourth vital sign that shows we possess spiritual life, what does it look like? How do you know you have it? Are there categories of spiritual growth? Are there levels of spiritual? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because John, in the book of 1 John, is going to answer that question for us this morning. He gives us the three primary categories of spiritual growth. And then he lists the characteristics that will respond to every, or that correspond to each category. Now, by the end of our message this morning, you're going to discover something very important about your life. And this is important that you understand this. You discover this. You are going to discover the category of spiritual maturity where you reside. And you will know you reside there because your life will be manifesting the traits that correspond to that particular category. Now let me say this. When you believed on Jesus, when that day came in your life where spiritual life began at conversion, okay, when you trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you were placed into God's family. We call this the doctrine of adoption. You are adopted by God, placed into his family. John 1.12, see it on your outline, it says, yet to all who received him, remember when you received Christ, to those who believed in his name, remember when you believed on Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. You were adopted and placed into God's family. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are part of God's family. Just, just tell someone that. Yeah. And that happened... When you believed on Jesus, when you believed on Jesus, you were born again, you were adopted, you were placed into God's family. Now watch this. Every family has three primary categories. Every family. There are children or infants. Then there are kind of youth or teenagers. And then there are parents, adults. Every family. And that is the same thing with the family of God. The family of God has three categories, just like any biological family has the same thing. Now, it's important to understand this. These categories in 1 John that we're going to study this morning, they have nothing to do with your physical age, nothing to do with how old you are. They have nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. They also have nothing to do with your position in the church. You teach something, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're a leader here, there, it doesn't matter. They have everything to do with your spiritual maturity. Now, I know some teenagers who are more spiritually mature than some adults. And that's not a slam on the adults. That, that's just a reality. Some teenagers are, because spiritual maturity, these categories have nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your spiritual growth and your development and in, in, in your spiritual life. Now, let's see if you can identify these three categories of spiritual growth or maturity as we read through our text this morning. 1 John, chapter 2. Hopefully you're there. Verses 12 to 14. If you don't have a Bible, make sure you get one. Steal your neighbor's Bible. Bring a Bible always to home builders. This is the only thing we study. 1 John. Chapter 2, 
verses 12 to 14. It would be great if someone took me up on that offer and actually stole someone's Bible. That would be such a cool thing. So go for it, man. Just go for it to the glory of God. You bunch of thieves. All right. Verse 12. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Oh, did you catch it? Did you catch the three categories there? I think you probably did. Now, a few observations that just jump right off the page that you noticed as we read. First of all, you see that John uses the phrase, I write to you six times. John, I write this to you. That means this is to you. This is important for your life this morning. For the person that you're sitting next to, you're watching this on video, the person in your home community, this is important for every person that's listening right now. John says, I write this to you. Okay? And John uses the term children, young men, and fathers three times each, revealing that these are the three primary spiritual maturity categories in the Bible. And then John lists the spiritual traits that characterize each stage of spiritual growth and maturity. I mean, that is very obvious as you read through this text. Now, how do you know if you're a Christian? I mean, really. How do you know if you're spiritually alive? Really you will fit into one of these three categories. If you don't fit into one of these three categories, or a mixture of one or two because you're transitioning, you are not spiritually alive, and you have to admit that to your life. Because I'm going to be describing you if you're a Christian this morning. You're in one of these three categories, and one of these categories or combinations should totally describe your life. Because all Christians, if you're spiritually alive, this is your life, a description of where you're at. And you're going to be able to go home from here today going, you know, this is where I'm at. This is my level of spiritual maturity because the traits in my life correspond to that level. Now, every Christian starts off spiritually as a child and then grows into a youth and then matures into an adult. That is the trajectory question, what level, what stage of spiritual maturity does my life manifest? That's what you want to be asking yourself this morning. All right, let's talk about these three stages of spiritual growth. Stage one, child, child. Are you a spiritual child? Every believer starts off spiritually as a child. Have you recently given your life to Jesus Christ? There's nothing wrong with being a child. This is where it all begins. Remember Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, it's there on your outlines, no one can see the, the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, unless he's born again. You need to be born again, not physically, but spiritually. And when you believe on Jesus, you are born again. That means God's spirit comes within you and gives you new life. That's called regeneration. And guess what? You are a, a spiritual child at that point in your maturity. Later, well, Jesus, John, in his gospel, he would say in John 1, 12 and 13, yet to all who received him, remember when you received him? To those who believed in his name, remember when you believed in his name? What does it say? You, he gave the right to become children of God. There it is. You become a child of God. 
Children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. God has done a work in your life. He has planted spiritual, eternal life in your life. And guess what? You are called a child. Your spiritual maturity is that of a child. Now, how do you know if you're a child spiritually, if that's where your level is? Four traits will describe you according to 1 John. First of all, you are dear. Look at verse 12. I write to you, dear children. Look at verse 13, toward the end of that verse. I write to you, dear children. Aren't children dear? And guess what? They know it. They know they are dear and special and loved and cherished and celebrated. Yes, they do. You bet they do. One of the first songs you learn as a child in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Wow. That is one of the earliest conscious experiences of a newborn Christian. It is your realization that I'm dear. God loves me. Is that where you're at right now? That's why new Christians are so excited. God loves me. This is a brand new thought for them, and they're just caught up. They're elated with the fact that there's a God that loves them. They're dear. Matthew 18, 6, even Jesus said, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow. Jesus loved the little children, and Jesus loves brand new Children spiritually who give their heart to Christ. You are dear. Second, your sins have been forgiven. Verse 12, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. A child, you see, they know their sins have been forgiven by God. They come to this realization spiritually. Earlier in 1 John 1, verse 8, remember if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, a spiritual child is like, wow, this is my experience. And then verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and he is the atoning sacrifice for your sins. And a spiritual child is just blown away that their sins have been forgiven by God. Are you kidding me? This is just awesome. Colossians 1.14, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you're dear. You know your sins have been forgiven. Thirdly, you realize this is due to his name. Look at verse 12. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of what? His what? Name. See, a a spiritual child, they begin to realize that their salvation, their forgiveness of sins is not due to somehow themselves, but it's like God's work in their life, and that's just like awesome to them. Like in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first what? Whoa, God, I'm forgiven. I belong to you. I'm saved because you reached out and you touched me. It was all your work. It wasn't me. And and for a spiritual child, they're starting to realize this is all due to the name of Jesus, like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. I didn't work to receive this. No, God in his grace reached out and changed my life. A spiritual child, when they read 
Ephesians. If you want to turn there, you can. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. They love this scripture. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted, there it is, as his sons. I'm part of the family of God through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. So a spiritual child is amazed. I'm chosen. Do you know that God chose me? He predestined me to be adopted into his family and they are just blown away that It's all because of the name of Jesus that they are part of God's family. And then finally, you know the Father. You look there at verse 13. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. You know the first words of a little child? What are they? Dad, dad. They can't say mama. That's a little hard. They say dad, dad. You see, a little child doesn't know everything about God, but they know he is Dada. That was Jesus' name for his heavenly father, Abba, Daddy. You know you're in the family of God when you look at God not with fear, but you call him Daddy. Do you call God Daddy? If not, you have to really examine. Do you just have religion or do you have a relationship with God? Because when it starts off as a child, these things characterize your life, beloved. This is how it all begins. It all begins this way. You're dear. Your sins have been forgiven. You realize it's due to his name, and you know the Father. See, a child doesn't know everything about God, but they know enough to call him Daddy. Jesus said in John 14, 14, my sheep know me. Now, the word know here in 1 John 2, 13 means to know about A child has an important but a very elementary knowledge about God. They know God loves me, God cares for me, God is merciful, God is knowing, all-knowing, God is all-powerful. They know facts about God. They don't really know Him experientially yet, but they know Him objectively. They know certain basic truths about God. This is the first stage of our spiritual maturity. Does this describe your life? Is this where you are at You're a child. This is where it begins. You realize you are dear to God. Your sins have been forgiven. It's all due to his name. And you know facts about God. Simple but profound, awesome truths about God. Maybe this is where you're at. I'd like you to talk about this at your tables. How have you experienced these spiritual traits that we've just described? Talk about that at your tables. Okay, we're talking about three stages of spiritual growth that all Christians fit within somewhere. Stage one, child. Stage two, youth. Every believer grows from being a spiritual child into a spiritual youth or a spiritual young man or woman. I mean, something would be wrong with your child if they remained just a little child. You'd be going, this is really weird. Little Johnny isn't growing up. Something's wrong. And Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. That doesn't mean you leave them, but you add to them. 
you never leave those four traits that characterize a spiritual trial, but you, then you add to them with the more mature traits. Even in Hebrews 6.1, the author says, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. We're always maturing as Christians because we have spiritual life, and spiritual life produces maturity. How do you know if you've grown into a spiritual youth? There will be three traits that will characterize your life. Number one, you have overcome the evil one. Verse 13, and look if you would about, well, halfway down that verse. I write to you young men. Why? Because you have overcome the evil one. Now, the evil one is Satan. It's temptation. It's sin. A spiritual young man or woman learns how to have victory over Satan and temptation and sin. They're seeing progress, not perfection in this area, but they see progress. And this is all due to their dependency upon Jesus and the use of the Word of God. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, remember he was brought before Satan and tempted? How did Jesus deal with that temptation? What did he say three times? He said what? It is written. It is written. He quoted Scripture. A spiritual young man or woman, they, they, they get to know the Word of God. And they get to know how to take this word, memorize it, and combat Satan, temptation, and the evil one. They're able to use the Word of God. And it transforms them and gives them strength. We see that in Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the first trait, uh, if you're a spiritual youth, is that you're learning to overcome Sin and temptation and the evil one. Is that you? Well, then you're a spiritual youth. Second trait of a spiritual young man, you are strong. Look at verse 14, halfway down that verse. I write to you, young man, because you are strong. Now, a young man is not strong in himself, but his strength is in the Lord. He's learning that he or she can't stand on his own. He needs God's strength. For victory, and probably the greatest description of a young man or woman's spiritual strength is really Ephesians chapter 6. So take your Bibles, turn to the left, and find Ephesians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians chapter 6. If you know where Ephesians 6 is, probably you are a spiritual youth. You know your Bible. If you don't know your Bible, you're probably a child. Because a spiritual youth is going to get to know their Bible. Not perfectly, but you're growing in just where the books of the Bible are. And this scripture that I'm going to read right now uh, will describe your life. Because you can't be strong without this being true of your life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the who? In the Lord. And in His mighty power. See, a spiritual youth realizes the only way I'm going to be strong is not in me. It's going to be in Jesus, in His strength. So Paul says, put on the full armor of God. This is spiritual armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Paul's saying, you know, our battle, really, a spiritual youth realizes the battle isn't physical, it's spiritual. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Those are all levels of demonic uh, beings. A spiritual young man realizes there are demons, that that's just not something that only comes out at Halloween. That Satan is real. Spiritual young man knows that. There is a real spiritual battle going on here. 
And, and therefore, he or she puts on the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. Now, this is spiritual armor, and a spiritual young person will know what this armor represents as I read it. I won't take the time to teach it because, right, I've done it elsewhere, and a spiritual young person knows what this armor is because they put it on. Therefore, you put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Wow. So does this describe your life? Have you learned to put on the full armor of God? And are you learning that? Is some, that some of your, then you're a spiritual youth. The Bible would characterize you as that. The third thing about a spiritual youth is that the Word of God lives in you. You go back to 1 John, verse 14. It says there at the end, I write to you, young men, because you're strong, and the Word of God lives in you. This is ultimately the young man or woman's source of strength. The Word of God is alive within them. It's within their hearts. Question, is the Word of God, question here, is the Word of God here, or is it here? It should be in both places. We know the Word of God is here. But has the Word of God come into your heart, into your soul? That is, or you know, if the Bible is just sitting on the shelf, okay? If you're not in this book every day, you're a child. Are you kidding me? Man does not live on bread alone, but every word from the Word. How long could you live without eating physical food? How long do you think you can live without eating this spiritual food? Daily you need the Word of God. You're a youth if you realize your strength comes from the Word of God. You're a child if you still need to be spoon-fed. If you're, li- if you're living week to week for Mark's teaching or Larry's teaching, you're a spiritual child. You just have to hear that. And I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying this is where you're at. You have a long way to go, and that's cool because it tells you where you need to go. You need to embrace this, the Word of God. Now, how do you know if, you know, you're living in the Word and the Word's living in you? There's a few scriptures I've given you here. Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, how do you know if the Word of Christ, God's Word, is dwelling in you richly? You're going to be doing these things. You will be teaching and admonishing one another. See, the person who has God's Word in their heart, they're teaching. They're admonishing. They have wisdom. And and also, you're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. That is the fruit of a person who has God's Word ritually dwelling in their life. Jeremiah 15, 16, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. You know, when you hear the Word of God taught, are you devouring the Word of God or is right now your mind somewhere else? If your mind is somewhere else, you're a child. But if when the Word of God is preached or when you are reading the Word of God, you are devouring it because this is your life. This is your substance. This is how you're going to make it at work. This is how you're going to have a great marriage. This is how you're going to lead your family. You take the Word of God seriously. You eat it. You devour it. You are a spiritual youth. 
2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Are you a workman? Not just in your profession. I look at my friend Ron over there. Does a great job cutting hair. He is a workman in his profession. Does a great job with that. But guess what? You are a Christian. Are you a workman who handles accurately the Word of God in your life? That's a spiritual youth. They're growing in this. John chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Just question, do you love the Word of God? Do you just want to obey its teaching? Then you're a spiritual youth. If you're like just ignorant of the Word of God, I don't know if I love it or not. I'm just kind of, I don't know. That, that's like gagagoo-goo. You're a child. And it just needs a lot of room for growth. That's all right to be a child unless you've been a child for 20 years. Are you following me? Time to grow up, you know? All right. So how do you know if you're a spiritual young man, a spiritual youth? Well, these things, you overcome the evil one. You're seeing victory there. You are strong in the Lord. You put on his full armor, and the word of God lives in you. Not perfectly. There's no such thing as the perfect, totally mature Christian. But, but this generally characterizes your life. This is the pattern that your life shows. You're either a child or spiritual youth. I'd like you to talk about this, the spiritual youth, young man characteristics. How have you experienced these spiritual traits in your life? Go ahead and talk about that. All right, we're talking about three stages, three stages of our spiritual development. Starts off as a child, transitions into a youth, and then also stage three, that of an adult, an adult. Every believer grows from a spiritual child to a spiritual youth and then on to a spiritual adult or father, as John puts it. So how do you know if you've grown into a spiritual adult or father? There are three traits of all spiritual adults are fathers. Look at verse 13. I write to you fathers because you have known him who's from the beginning. And then verse 14, I write to you fathers because you have known him who's from the beginning. Repeated identically twice. There are three traits about a spiritual father in that statement. First of all, you know him. Now, who is the him? God. A spiritual adult doesn't just know, watch this, about God. They know God personally, experientially. There's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally, experientially. Let me try to illustrate this for you. I bet there are several of you here in this room who know more about skydiving than I do. I bet you know more about the makeup, the construct of that parachute than I do, the physics of the jump than I do. But I've skydived. I've actually jumped out of an airplane with my son right here. I've experienced skydiving personally, you see. This is the knowledge that John is talking about, Gnoska. He's talking about an experiential knowledge of God that a spiritual adult knows. You see, it's great to know your Bible, but it's even greater to know the author of the Bible. Are you following me? You can know facts about the Bible, but it's far greater 
to know the author of the Bible. That's a spiritual adult. He knows the author. I know a lot of people who know way more about the Bible than I do. Matter of fact, when I was uh, working on my master's degree, I have a bachelor's, master's, and a doctorate, okay? When I was working on my master's, though, the deal was is that I wanted to get some of my education because I knew I was going to get most of it from very conservative schools, you know? So I thought, I want to go for part of my experience uh, to Ber- UC Berkeley and take some theology classes there and I knew I was going to get very liberal professors, which I did. And <laughs> I had profs that there's no way they knew Jesus personally. They had no saving relationship with God. But they knew more about the Bible than I did. But they didn't know God at all. And then you can have the reverse experience also. You can have the experience where, have you ever had this before? You've met someone a saint that is a spiritual father or mother, and you walked away from them going, man, I know about God, but I do not know God like they know God. That was awesome to be in their presence. I've had the privilege of just, man, I I once had a uh, lunch with Henry Blackaby who wrote Experiencing God. It It was profound. And to just be around men that really know God. It's just like, well, I know about God, but Lord, wow. You see, John is talking about someone who knows not only intellectually God from his word, but experientially as well. Spiritual adults know God in both realms. So let me introduce you to a spiritual father. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians. This is a great description. You get to know the Apostle Paul's heart here, Philippians chapter 3. And, and just this is the heart of a spiritual father or mother, an adult. And if this kind of describes you, then, then you would know you're at the spiritual adult level. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and following, Paul says, And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Here's the first thing. Is everything, does, nothing compares to Jesus, to spiritual adult. Nothing. Nothing. For whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And then Paul says, I want to know Christ. Now, what is Paul saying? Is he saying, oh, I just want to know more facts about you, Jesus? No, no, no. Listen to what he's saying. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know Christ. Is this what you say? And the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings becoming like you in death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is not just a man who's passionate about knowing things about God. I want to become like God. I want to be conformed to God. I want to taste you, Jesus, and breathe you and feel you and touch you and experience you. I want to know you inside and out and you inside and out of me. That is a spiritual adult. They know God, just not in their mind, but in their experience, in their heart, in every part of their being. They want to know God. And then you'll notice here that John also says, Uh, Coming back to 1 John, he says, you have known him. 
Spiritual adults, you see, they've had years of knowing God, watch this, personally and experience and experientially. See, if you're a spiritual adult, I mean, you have stories. You have moments. You have experiences. You have encounters, answers to prayer with God through years of walking with God. Is that you? Do you have stories? I mean, I look around here and I see so many spiritual adults. You come up here right now and talk about God and what he's done in your life, what he's done in your family, what he's done in your marriage, what he's done in your ministry. And you can recount the great things of God. You've known God in your crisis. You've known him in your victory, in your pain, in your suffering, in your divorce in your surgery, in your loss, in your gain, in your confusion, in your agony, your cancer, your highs, your lows, in your family, in your marriage, in your work, and everywhere in between, God's been there. You have stories to tell. You are a spiritual adult. You're like the Apostle Paul who said in 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul wrote this book, his final book, before he was executed by Nero in 67 A.D., Some of the last words he wrote, Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Spiritual adults, they have this profound history of knowing God personally and experientially. It's deep, it's rich, and it's telling. That's you. If that's you, that you're a spiritual adult. Last thing about a spiritual adult, you've known him who is from the beginning. That's what John says. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. Spiritual adults know in the depth of their being about the awesome truths regarding God, such as his eternal nature. I've known you, God, who is from the beginning. The beginning of what? Well, of eternity. The Bible teaches that God is eternal, like Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you were brought forth, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. A spiritual adult recognizes that truth, that God is eternal. He's always been. And who is he, the pronoun he, specifically there? I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from, the him there is really Jesus that John has in mind. Because 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning is all about Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Spiritual adults know Jesus, and watch this, they just can't get enough of Jesus. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ, that's what Paul said, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Spiritual adults get lost in the wonder, the majesty, the worship of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead. They cannot get enough of Jesus. He is everything to them. Oh, is that you? You're a spiritual adult. There's so many scriptures in the New Testament that exalt Jesus Christ and that, that, that adults, spiritual adults, love. The book of Colossians, to give you a couple here. Colossians chapter 1. Paul said, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And a spiritual adult hears that, and you just get excited. Jesus is the exact image 
of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that we see, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. For the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus holds every single atom in place in the universe. And because a spiritual adult knows that and believes that, they worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He might be number one. For God was pleased that I have all his fullness dwell on him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross when Jesus died. And then you look at Colossians 3, 1 and following. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. And for a spiritual adult, they just their mind is there. They're on Jesus, the exalted Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, their Lord and Savior. There are so many other scriptures. I love Hebrews chapter 1. If you're a spiritual adult, you do as well. In the past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. I just can't help but keep reading. Jesus. Revelation 19. I love this. The second coming. When Jesus will come to earth. This is one of my favorite scriptures. If you're a spiritual adult, this gets you fired up. Revelation 19. Verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Fable. This is Jesus. And true, with justice. This is after the great tribulation. Jesus Christ is coming from heaven with all the saints. That's you and me. He's leading all of this majestic army coming to earth to set up his millennial kingdom. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. That's you and me with Christ. The spiritual adult places himself there. He can't believe he's going to be part of this. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them, Jesus will, with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait for that moment. I just can't wait. If you're wondering about what's going to happen between that, get my series, The End. Understand the ten prophetic events that are going to happen before the end of the world. Those are exciting topics. Spiritual adults, they plumb the depths of God's character. They meditate on the awesome truths of God's nature. They worship God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but they are flat up caught up in the worship and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for them. Wow. Is that you? Third stage of 
spiritual growth is that of a spiritual adult. I'd like you to talk about that at your tables. You know him. You have known him. And you have known him who is from the beginning. Talk about that. How have you experienced these spiritual traits? Go for it. All right. Well, this morning, what we've done is we've looked at the fourth. The fourth evidence, the fourth fourth vital sign that we possess, spiritual, eternal life. How do we know we are born again? How do we know we have spiritual life? We will be growing spiritually. It's as simple as that. Well, anyone who's spiritually alive exhibits spiritual growth. All living things grow. Now, not all Christians will grow at the same level or at the same pace. That's very important for you to understand. But all Christians will evidence a degree of spiritual growth. Otherwise, they're not alive. You're not alive spiritually. Hmm, that's something to think about. Now, 2 Corinthians 13.5, we're going to take a little test right now. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? You need to understand that for years, I didn't grow spiritually at all. You want to know why? I thought I was a Christian, but I wasn't. Then at age 20, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, surrendered my life to Christ, truly trusted Him as my Savior and Lord, and the spiritual growth has not stopped. When you are alive spiritually, you grow spiritually at different paces, but you will evidence spiritual life, maturity. You'll be growing. Now, John gives us these three categories of spiritual growth that all Christians will fit within. Or a combination of two or three because you're in transition. So what about you? Where are you at? Are you a spiritual child? If so, I mean, you will realize you are dear. Your sins have been forgiven. You realize this is due to his name and you know the father. You know him as daddy. That's awesome if that's where you're at. Or are you a spiritual youth? If so... You've overcome the evil one, and you are overcoming the evil one. You're learning to overcome temptation. You are strong because you're putting on the spiritual armor. And the Word of God lives in you. I mean, this book isn't just on a shelf. It's it's coming in your hearts. You're into it. Or you are a spiritual adult. If so, you know Him experientially. You have known Him. I mean, you have stories of Him in your life. And you have known him who is from the beginning. You know the the deep theological things about God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, all believers, we all fall short of perfection. There's no perfectly mature Christian. We're not saying any of us have arrived. But there will be a degree of spiritual maturing in your life that gives evidence that truly you are saved. So let me bring you back to the purpose of 1 John. Why is this book written? I write these things to you, believe in the name of the Son of God. So you say you believe in the name of the Son of God. And, 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 and John's saying, so you may know you have eternal life. The whole purpose is so we could have confidence, assurance, and certainty, or the opposite. First John is so black and white. And this morning it's like this. Vital sign that you're alive spiritually, there's going to be spiritual growth. If there's no spiritual growth, you've got to question, are you, do you have spiritual life? Or do you just have religion? You're a religious person. You come to church on Sunday. That's not going to get you to heaven. Is Christ in you, truly born again, a person who's been transformed? 
because of God's grace. So if spiritual growth characterizes your life, if you see yourself in one or a combination of these three categories, guess what? You can know you have everlasting life because all of God's children are growing spiritually, and because you're growing spiritually, you go, I know I'm saved. That's how it works. But if spiritual growth doesn't characterize your life, you're like, man, I don't see myself honestly, Mark, in any of that which you described. I'm just not there. Then, you know, may God give you the grace to realize this could be the greatest day in your life where you truly give your life to Jesus and become a child and start growing spiritually, experiencing this through the stages of child and youth and adult. Amen? Maybe that's where you're at. You just have to be honest between you and God. Hmm. Let's pray.